This is Construction Business Mastery Alliance podcast episode number 19. In the fast-paced, high-tech world of construction today, 80% of the new start construction companies go broke or out of business within the first year. In five years, only 2% of the construction companies remain. Construction Business Mastery is dedicated to providing educational information and resources necessary for construction companies to succeed and prosper. Hello, this is Glenn Wilson, and I'll be your host for this, the 19th episode of the Construction Business Mastery Alliance podcast. Construction Business Mastery Alliance is dedicated to assisting independent and medium-sized contractors succeed and prosper in the construction industry. In the feature segment of this episode, we are going to be looking at the construction industry spending results for the month of March and the first quarter of 2013. In addition, we are going to be looking at the five basic functions that exist inside of a construction company and how they relate to each other in the overall scheme of a successful contracting business. In the legal segment, we are going to be looking at a case in the Missouri court where a subcontractor was not awarded a contract even though he was listed on the prime contractor's bid form to the owner. We are changing the safety segment of the program to be more educational. And this month, we're going to be going back to the basics of some simple safety training. We are eliminating the bonuses segment from the podcast and replacing it with construction industry recommendations and offers. We will be adding a closing comment section to the podcast. In this section, I will be reviewing some of the observations that I've made of things that are going on in the construction industry from the perspective of the clients that I have been providing coaching and consulting services for. I think you will find this segment very interesting. And now it's time for the feature segment of the Construction Business Mastery Alliance podcast. Well, it's been eight months since we have been able to produce a podcast, and it has been a very trying eight months. All of the Construction Business Mastery Alliance websites were hacked by, believe it or not, a terrorist group from the Middle East, and a great deal of our content and information was destroyed. An interesting side note, when I first found out our websites for Construction Business Mastery had been hacked, I was, of course, outraged and very angry. But then I thought, wow, we must really be important for a terrorist group to come after our website. But my website IT people humbled me very quickly and let us know that really it was an attack on a lot of American businesses, uh, particularly those in the same platform that we were using. So we weren't that important to a terrorist group. I do think that the work that we're doing to help independent and medium-sized contractors succeed in this most difficult business is extremely important. And now that we've got everything fixed, we'll be back on track providing those services to our listeners and clients. So without any further delay, let's get into the feature segment of the podcast. Construction spending during the month of March 2013 was at an annual rate of 
$856.7 billion. That's 1.7% below the revised February estimate of $871.2 billion. The March figure is 4.8% above the March 2012 estimate of $817.8 billion. During the first three months of this year, construction spending amounted to $181.7 billion, 4.7% above the $173.6 billion for the same period in 2012. Overall, I think those are pretty good figures. At least it shows some signs of recovery throughout the overall construction industry in the first quarter of 2013 compared to 2012. Spending on private construction was 598.4 billion, 0.6% below the revised February estimate of 602 billion. Residential construction was at 294.9 billion in March, 0.4% above the revised February estimate of 293.8 billion. Non-residential construction was 303.5 billion in March, 1.5% below the revised February estimate of 308.2 billion. One of the major economic forecasting tools is to look at what residential construction is doing, and at least for the first quarter of this year, it looks like that is increasing modestly. Public construction spending was at 258.3 billion. below the revised February estimate of $269.2 billion. Educational construction was at a rate of $62.8 billion, 2.9% below the revised February estimate of $64.7 billion. Highway construction was at $73.8 billion, 5.2% below the revised February estimate of $77.8 billion. Again, these figures show that the private sector of the construction market is leading what little recovery we're seeing in the construction business economy. With the modest recovery we are seeing, several problems are surfacing within the construction industry that I will talk about in the new comment section at the end of this podcast, so stay tuned for that. And now let's get into the second half of the feature segment of the podcast. There are five basic functions that go on inside of a construction company. These basic functions are construction business management, human resources, image and marketing, estimating, and project management. These five basic functions make up the real interworkings and operations of a successful construction company. And truthfully, not one of these basic functions are any more important than any other. They all need to be conducted and implemented in very specific ways to contribute to the overall success of the company. In our next podcast, we are going to be looking at each one of these functions individually. And in this podcast, we are going to start out with construction business management. Every real building project starts out with a well-defined set of plans and specifications defining exactly what work needs to be done in the construction process. Basic construction business management dictates that we have that same set of plans and specifications for operating our individual businesses. This is called a business plan. 
a well-defined business plan lays out a clear vision of what the company will look like as it grows and provides clear focus on the financial health and profitability for the company. It also outlines the objectives of what the owners of the business want to achieve from the construction business operations. Too many times we as construction company owners find that we are working for the company, not the company working for us. Think about that. That's a big difference. The whole reason we started a construction company was to be more financially successful and more independent with our time. And a well-defined business plan will provide the necessary blueprint to achieve that goal. It is also important to have a written policy and procedures manual in place which lays out the operations of the business itself. A policy and procedures manual should provide information about the personnel responsibilities, compensation practices of the company, the employee benefits, what happens for absence of work, jobs descriptions and responsibilities, employment standards, things like reimbursement of company expenses, employee expenses, what's permissible in the workplace area, what's required of personal conduct, material, equipment, and labor force purchasing policies, alcohol and drug abuse policies, and other things that define how the construction company is to operate on a day-to-day basis. By having these policies and procedures in place, the company employees have clear direction on what is and is not acceptable and what is and is not provided in their or for their employment. Another area that often gets overlooked, particularly with independent contractors, is they fail to protect their personal assets. The construction business is a very high-risk business, and measures need to be taken to protect the owner's personal assets by making sure the business is either incorporated as a regular corporation, subchapter S corporation, or a limited liability company. If you are operating a construction company and do not have one of these in place, I strongly recommend that you do it now. As part of the overall business management of a construction company, you have to have a sound accounting system in place that will track the profitability of the company, providing basic things like a profit and loss statement, balance sheet, and job cost reports. Another important factor is to make sure that you are adequately insured. This includes general liability insurance, workman's compensation insurance, both of which are generally required by state law, as well as other insurance coverages, such as automobile, personal property, and in some cases, builder's risk insurance. The last thing we're going to mention in construction business management is to establish a relationship with a bank. One of the biggest reasons construction companies go out of business is due to lack of cash flow. The idea is to get paid on time, but sometimes that does not happen, and it is necessary to borrow money to finance the operations until payments are received. Having a relationship with a bank that can provide you a line of credit for approximately 5% of your annual gross construction sales should provide that safety net. 
These are just a few things that are required for basic construction business management. There are a lot of other nuances that go with each element that we have talked about, and I suggest that you look into each of those elements and become intimately familiar with their use and necessity. And now it's time for the legal segment of the Construction Business Mastery Alliance podcast. This month we're going to be looking at a case that involved a successful prime bidder on a public contractor listing a subcontractor on his bid form. The listed subcontractor did not receive a contract for the work and sued the contractor A little background. St. Louis County solicited bids for the construction of a new communication center. Bidders were instructed to list the subcontractors they intended to use for specific categories of trade work. The successful bidder was required to use listed subcontractors unless the county granted permission for a substitution. Dave Orff, Incorporated prepared to bid on the contract and requested a price proposal from Jameson Electric, LLC, for the electrical. Jameson submitted a proposal. Orff listed Jameson as the electrical subcontractor on its bid. The county subsequently accepted Orff's bid and awarded Orff the prime contract. After contract award, Orff decided not to use Jameson for the electrical work and awarded the subcontractor to another company. Jameson sued Orff for breach of contract and promissory estoppel. A trial court dismissed the suit for failure to state a cause of action. Jameson appealed. The Court of Appeals of Missouri said it had no evidence regarding Orff's reason for substituting another electrical subcontractor nor did the court indicate whether the county approved the substitution. However, this evidence was not necessary to uphold the dismissal of Jameson's suit. The court said Jameson was under the misguided premise that the mandatory listing of an intended subcontractor constituted a promise running from the prime contract bidder to the listed subcontractor. It did not. The only promise the bidder made was to the project owner. The jilted subcontractor could not sue the successful bidder for breach of contract or promissory estoppel. The cause of action of both breach of contract and promissory estoppel require the existence of a promise by the defendant to the plaintiff, here between Orr and Jameson. Jameson alleges the existence of a promise regarding the use of subcontractors made between Orff and the county. Jameson is not a party of that promise. Critical to the deficiency of its petition, Jameson does not assert in its petition that Orff promising Jameson he would use Jameson as a subcontractor if Orff was awarded the project. Some bid listing laws create a remedy for a listed subcontractor wrongfully denied the work. Others do not. The listing in this procurement appears to have been the choice of the county, not a mandate of state statute. 
The court therefore used principles of contract law to evaluate the subcontractor's remedies. And now it's time for the safety segment of the Construction Business Mastery Alliance podcast. As I mentioned in the introduction, we are changing the format of the safety section a little bit. In the past, we've reported on stupid contractors getting huge fines for doing stupid things. I am a true believer in the adage, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So we're going to use the safety segment to really talk about some basic safety rules that will help construction workers work in a safe, pain-free environment. You stand a far better chance of remaining fit and pain-free if you'll stick to some of the basics of lifting and handling materials. Many injuries happen to construction workers because they forget several basic manual material handling suggestions. Here are a few pointers about lifting and handling. As we get into these pointers, I would suggest that you make some notes. These make excellent topics for our weekly toolbox talks, which are required now by OSHA. First, remember to wear steel-toed shoes. Toes can be easily damaged if something heavy is dropped on them. Second, think about your hands. Wear good, tough gloves when you handle anything rough, sharp, or splintery. Third, before you lift, be sure you have a good, secure grip and solid footing. Fourth, keep the load close to your body to minimize the strain. Lift smoothly and don't jerk as you lift. Fifth, again, see that fingers and toes stay clear when lifting and handling. Sixth, don't twist your body when carrying a load. Pivot with your feet instead of your spine. Seventh, When a load is too heavy or awkward to handle, be quick to ask for help. Getting hurt isn't macho. Eighth, plan your path of execution and make sure it is free of debris and obstacles. Ninth, simple, push rather than pull. Tenth, use equipment, dollies, carts, two-wheelers, hydraulic, electrical hoists or lifts, to move loads whenever possible. And finally, make sure work levels are at waist height when standing and elbow height when sitting whenever possible. These are really pretty simple recommendations for lifting and handling, but it's surprising the number of times we as individuals and our employees forget these simple basic things and end up getting hurt. And now it's time for the Construction Industry Recommendations and Offer segment of the Construction Business Mastery Alliance podcast. We have eliminated the traditional bonuses section here. However, I do think there are things that come up in the industry that will help our contractors become better at what they're doing. And we intend to showcase or highlight some of those things in this section. The main resource I want to point out 
to our listeners is that the Construction 101 assessment is back by popular demand. Both our listeners and our clients have requested that we put back up the 101 assessment. We have expanded it and provided for additional explanations to the assessment questions once the assessment has been concluded. The Construction 101 assessment is absolutely free, and I recommend that any construction company, whether you're independent, medium-sized, or even large, take this assessment. It will help you understand what needs to be done in order to succeed in the construction business in the next decade. To take the assessment, just go to www.constructionbusinessmastery.com and click on the link to the right to take the assessment. I would like to add for information purposes that over 85% of the companies taking the assessment before we took it down failed to pass. And now it's time for my comments and musings about things that I have seen going on in the construction industry over the last months and share some of my insights that I hope you will find helpful and that will serve you in your construction business. As you heard in the feature segment in the beginning, it appears that construction is beginning to pick up here in our country with residential and the private sector primarily leading the market. That's a good thing, but we have seen some problems with that resurgence. Several months ago, we had about a $3.5 million project that we were the construction managers for, and we needed to put it out for bid for our client. We did just that, developing a strong bidder's interest campaign, only to find out that there were a limited number of contractors that were interested in or would bid on the project. The fact was that probably 50% of the contractors that we reached out to were no longer in business. I think that's a pretty alarming statistic. A lot of the contractors that we reached out to were contractors that I knew well and that had been in business for many, many years. I would have never anticipated their demise. The contractors that we found still in business and that provided subcontract bids, trade bids on our project, were somewhat more expensive than what I had anticipated, with all indications that the cost of materials and labor have increased during our recessionary period. Looking out over the entire landscape of the construction trade industry right now, I think that there is a real opportunity for new start construction companies to enter the marketplace. History has shown us that entering the marketplace when the market is just beginning its upturn is really the time to enter, Um, not when the market is at its peak and starting to turn down. This provides new start construction companies with a little bit of time to develop their principles and practices and truly learn what it means to be in the construction business before being overwhelmed. So if you're listening to this podcast and are thinking about venturing out on your own, I think you may be picking the right time to do so. 
Oh, and by the way, before you do that, go take the Construction 101 assessment. An old friend of mine once told me, you don't know what you don't know. And for you to succeed in this business, you have to know. Another interesting occurrence developed towards the end of last year. We had a project that required hiring about 12 more carpenters. We placed ads in the local newspaper, ads on Craigslist, did all the things that we normally do to hire new people, and found that we were unable to secure the necessary manpower that we needed. We were paying and offering to pay a competitive wage with benefits, but found there was a severe lack of trained and skilled applicants. Those that we did contact didn't want to leave their unemployment benefits to go back to work. Now, that's a real sad state of affairs. We have received information from numerous clients that we have that they are experiencing some of these same type of problems in being able to secure skilled tradespeople. Over the past five years, there's been a mass exodus from the construction trades. So I would recommend that companies that are currently working and those that are just starting up plan for a very modest growth pattern and make sure that they have the skilled people that they need before undertaking the work. If not, you could find yourself in a difficult position of not being able to produce the work that you've contracted for. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Construction Business Mastery Alliance podcast. And now that we are out from under the attack of terrorists, we will endeavor to get back on track and start producing a monthly podcast again. As always, if I can be of service to you, please contact me at constructionbusinessmasteryalliance.com. <laughs>